Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of Hold the Mustard, a hospitality and guest experience podcast powered by Dynable. My name is Mark Serkin, and uh, I've got some really excited, exciting guests for us today. Uh, the first one is Chef Nick Farrell of Savannah Bistro. He is the chef and the owner of this fantastic restaurant, staple of Chester County, which has been there for more than 20 years. Uh, and sitting right here next to Chef Nick is Lou Morocco. Lou wears a couple of hats, including as the founder and president of Brandywine Events and as the meetings and events director with Visit Delco PA. Uh, so Nick, you want to say hello to the audience and say a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having us on today, Mark. Um, my name is Nick Farrell. I'm from Savannah Bistro in Kennett Square. Um, I've uh, owned and operated the restaurant, like Mark said, for about 22 years now. Um, Love what I do. Um, really excited to be talking about the topics uh, here today with, with Lou, and um, it should it should be good. Thanks, Nick. Lou, you want to say hello? Hello. Thanks so much for having us. Um, again, my name is Lou Morocco, Brandywine Events. Been in the ho in the hospitality industry for twenty five plus years. The majority of that in off premise catering, um, and most recently, say the last. 10 years or 15 years in meeting event planning and uh, using my off-premise catering knowledge to kind of make meetings and events a little bit better for our clients. Awesome. Uh, so thanks to both of you for joining us today. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in hospitality. Obviously, there's, there's so many different ways to go. Uh, and this being our first episode, I wanted to talk about a subject and learn from both of you and hopefully share that with our audience as well, that has kind of confounded me. I'm a tech guy for anybody out there who doesn't really know. So I'm not a hospitality guy. So I came into this and I started hearing these terms like food waste and food cost. And I really thought that they were kind of the same. And then I started talking to you all and I learned how different they are, but how much they work together to help guests have a better experience and help everybody optimize the whole thing. Uh, so, Nick, can you tell me a little bit about what that means in the context of running a catering business and a restaurant, uh, and what challenges you face in kind of managing both food waste and food costs? Absolutely. Uh, first, I'll just kind of, from, from my perspective, uh, food cost, if I could just kind of define it from, from my mind, is um, you've got two ways to, to develop a food cost, a specific menu item. Uh, for example, if you, if you Buy something for buy ingredients for ten dollars and you sell it for thirty. Um, you've got a food cost of thirty three percent. Then we also look at our overall food cost, which would be the total operational food cost with um, all of our cost of goods, um, and then uh, divide that by your, your total food sales, and you get a is an overall food cost, um, which is a good way to see how you're doing as well. Um, waste, in my opinion, is uh, food that gets thrown away or never used or uh, no longer has any value uh, or, or any way of bringing value back into uh, the organization. Um, and uh, that, that, that can happen in many ways. Um, uh, you, from not getting a, a full yield uh, out of something, uh, you're supposed to get 14 steaks out of everybody and, you know, and, and the chef only got 12. Um, you know, you... Uh, Another kind of food waste is, you know, what happens after the guest eats the food. So, uh, did they not like it? Did, 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 did we mess it up? Uh, was it too much? 
So, you know, you've got food waste and food costs uh, being thrown out there. And then there's so many different levels to each, each one, I think, which will be uh, kind of good for us to talk about today. Um, I do um, a little bit of work with event planners. Uh, so I'm, I'm really interested to see what, what Lou thinks about that. Great. So from my perspective, the food waste and food cost aspect reflect on a couple different things. When we go in to talk to um, our restaurant or resort where we're gonna be having a program, we speak and ask about what their overall sustainability policy is, and not so much only to find out what they're doing to help um, the hospitality industry, but also where their priorities lie in controlling their food waste. Um, food waste takes a lot of different forms. I mean, it could be everything from even pre-pouring water, iced tea, or any other beverage at the table for an event. It could be um, over-producing uh, food either for reception or for the main meal. I mean, sometimes, you know, the, the opportunity of, of taking, you know, first of all, without getting into why we Americans think that we need to supersize everything, I don't know, but if we take the approach that maybe this particular event for a dinner doesn't need a 10 ounce steak as opposed to maybe an eight ounce steak, depending on the profile of the attendees, well, we've saved some money on the food costs for the production from the restaurant, and we've also saved some money for the client on the overall cost of the menu and ultimately save some waste. So it, it, it's all kind of a balancing act to make it all work well for the, the restaurant and, and provider and for the client. And we come together, we, our job as planners is to bring that together and make it balance out so it's fair and equitable, reduce waste, reduce cost. Both really, really insightful answers, thank you. Uh, there are a couple of words that, that really pinged to me while you both were talking. Uh, words like yield and overproducing, overpouring, supersizing, <laughs> balance. Uh, these are all words that I'm starting to hear a lot more of now that I'm in the hospitality world. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean when you say something like yield uh, in the context of, you, Nick, you used the example of cutting up steaks and you get 14 or 16 steaks. How does that uh, inform going back to what Lou's saying, where you might have 10 ounces or eight ounces? Uh, and how do you think about, will this be enough for a guest or will it be too much for a guest uh, in the context of supersizing and not supersizing, I guess? Sure, um, yield is, um, in my mind, is, is taking a product and utilizing it to its uh, maximum potential. So. Um, you know, you have to, you have to have a little bit of knowledge on how to use a knife properly. You have to know what, uh, whether you're dealing with a vegetable or a piece of fish or a piece of meat, uh, you, you have to know, uh, the basics of, you know, getting that to yield, uh, the most you can get out of it. Um, there's also opportunity to be, um, creative with, um, byproducts and scraps and, you know, every everything you touch usually has a byproduct, and um, when I say yield, it's it's using every bit of um, uh, every piece of 
vegetable or or piece of meat or fish that that you can possibly use. So um, it's a really good opportunity to be creative, um, and it's a really good opportunity to bring your food cost really really uh, down um, when when you have that ability to to have great yields. Interesting. So when you talk about byproducts in terms of food costs, uh, something. I see popping up on menus all the time, of course, is, you know, chefs making dishes with quote unquote offal meat or, you know, making you creating great stocks and things like that. Uh, Lou, when a, when a really creative chef like Nick throws out a menu that includes some things that you think your guests may not be so into, uh, how do you manage that? And how are your guests reacting to, to that? Well, it, yeah. So, when I had the pleasure of working with a great chef like Nick, it, it's more of a cooperative effort. So we, we actually sit down and talk about what the ultimate goal is from the client's perspective and therefore their attendees and what the anticipation and what the expectations are. So that menu really comes from that discussion and cooperation working together. When we talk about uh, the, the reduction of waste on that, it's the overall event itself, meaning that from start to finish, from cocktails through dessert, how does that menu look? How does it, how, how does it fit piecewise in the overall event? So how much do we put out for hors d'oeuvres or do we use for hors d'oeuvres or versus how many courses? It's, it's the combination of all that that blends. So we reduce the production and the food waste by maximizing what the food actually consumed is going to be. Now, when you talk about things like um, the attendees and, and, and possibly their um, allergies or, or their sensitivities to food, what we try to do is we try to make sure that in advance we have as much information about who those attendees are, what their preferences are, what their allergies are, and things like that. And again, it's a matter of communication. We can't collectively, either Nick and his team or me and my team, we can't do our job for our, our collective client, their attendees, unless we're on the same page and keep in constant communication. Anytime that there's a breakdown of communication, that's where problems kind of like come in. Fortunately, working with Nick and chefs like Nick, that's not a problem. Interesting. So you mentioned breakdown in, in communication as, as being a pretty major challenge. Um, what happens to the event when yeah. communication breaks down? It, I, yeah. it, it has the potential of, of being a train wreck. I can use a lot of other different adjectives, <laughs> but a train wreck is probably one we'll use for this. You know, it, it, it always starts from communication and it, it's, it's from the top down and it's from the client and their stakeholders to us, the planners, and therefore to us, the team that makes the event happen. If we're all on the same page, you know, the nature of what we do has the potential of having hiccups along the way. You know, that, that's just what we do. We're working with people, so things change. However, if we're all on the same page, knowing what the expectations and the ultimate outcome is going to want to be from the client's perspective, you know, our our opportunity for success is at a higher level than if we're not. And unfortunately, there are operators and planners out there that feel that they don't have to talk to each other, which makes no sense to me and I know to Nick as well. It just, you can't make that happen. You can't make it work. 
it has to be a cooperative effort. Really interesting. So, Nick, how many how many different people do you generally have to work with when you're pulling off an event, whether it's a wedding, a corporate event, or whatever? How many people are involved? Um, typically, you have the, the client who reaches out initially, um, and you know, in my organization, I have a wonderful event planner, uh, Christina, who who deals with the clients, and then Christina and I and the client will get together and talk through a lot of what um, you know their expectations are and. Um, and then I, I get the, you know, we, we collectively gather information, we come back to them with uh, a proposal. Um, and then we, we work closely with our front of the house and our, and our kitchen staff to make sure that they're on board with uh, what the client uh, desires. So it, it, for, for me, it's, 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 it's usually two or three people. So there's the client, of course. Yep. Uh, there's you and your team in the kitchen. There's Christina managing communication between those parties. Yes. Uh, and sometimes I guess there's a third party event planner like Lou involved yes. as well. Yes. yes. Uh, so that's f maybe three to four different, different stakeholders with whom you have to keep that communication tight yeah. and to Lou's point, avoid the train wreck yes. <laughs> coming up. Yes. Uh, so what kind of things do you always make sure that you do to avoid the train wrecking? I think like Lou said, I think communication, um, asking, asking detailed questions is, is probably the, uh, the best thing we can do. Um, getting as much information about what the expectation of the client uh, ahead of time is. Um, and then really just knowing if there's anything out of the box we should be aware of. Um, we, we like to, we like to plan ahead. We like to make sure we can um, exceed expectations. So the more information you have, um, the better questions you ask, um, the more specifics you get, you know, down to um, preferences, uh, that sort of thing, uh, food allergies, um, the more you can deal with that on the front end, uh, obviously you're going to have, much better success uh, when it comes time for the event and avoiding the, uh, the train wreck. So people like to talk about uh, hashtag failures a lot these days. Um, I'm curious, you, you don't have to name names or events or anything like that, but do, you, do either of you guys have an example of when you had a really bad experience and what caused that? Um, without being too specific, um, you know, in my 30 years of cooking, I could tell you that um, people coming back to me when I was my angry chef days um, <laughs> and, and, and pushing the food back at me and saying, the guests can't eat this. And, you know, you, you get into it with the server and you get into it with, you know, it just kind of ruins your day. And you're like, like, there's this, this lack of like, what is, what do they want? Why can't you articulate what they're saying? Why can't, and, and so I think, I've had many of those uh, moments uh, early in my career where um, you just you become so stressed out and frustrated because the, the, the communication breakdown at the table or, or the server doesn't know what to say or they, they got it wrong and they're confused and but they're they don't want to everything's moving so fast so you know it's 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 there's probably a hundred of those that I've I've had in my life so so when, when uh, and obviously this all comes back to getting the right plate in front of the right guest, right? And when that's wrong, as you 
you just pointed at it comes back to the kitchen and uh it slows somebody down. throws their hand, hands up what what does that do to the kitchen how much time do you lose yeah um it, it literally puts the brakes on everybody has to stop um you have to you have to fix that one thing before you can get on the other 45 things you're trying to do um and you know it, there's always there's always a trickle down effect uh now you've got food other people's food sitting there getting cold or, or overcooked or you know it's just so so yeah one one problem on a busy night could, could potentially ruin 30 other guest meals wow and so that'll set you back 15 or 20 minutes or yeah, you know, whatever it yeah. might be and sometimes you don't recover and, and you're, you're behind the rest of the night so all the tables after that are are, are are waiting probably five ten minutes longer than they, they normally have you just can't sometimes you just can't catch back up mm. So Lou, uh, you've told me before that food and beverage, I think, is the second major cost of events. It, it's the second major cost of events, and our industry is the second largest producer of waste. The second largest producer of waste. Number two, always. It, well, you know, <laughs> it's not a bad spot. To not be. a bad spot to be. So I'm curious, Lou, uh, when something like Nick just described happens, how, if at all, does it impact that cost? Well, if, there, if something happens, such as Nick was saying, um, it impacts, again, as Nick mentioned, the timing aspect of it. If, if you think that you're feeding um, from 30 guests to 300 guests and a plate needs to go back, that does throw the wrench in the whole program. Let's say, for example, this particular event was an award dinner that had um, presentations being done after the dinner was served. Well, if there's one or two hiccups with the, with the actual service of the entree, that does throw it, the, the program back five, 10 minutes. That then throws off how the rest of the program and evening go. So it, it is very much a ripple effect. Everything is, is, is dependent upon us collectively working as a team how do we recover is you know the staff will then continue to do the service that they can and make sure that there is a particular staff person or two that handles that that menu item and gets it quickly and efficiently to the guest that needs it so we try to minimize what that disturbance of time is by planning ahead by planning by, ahead and again working by, together. By working together. Fantastic. So um, what kinds of things are you doing to uh, facilitate that planning ahead? Well, again, in, in working with the chef and their team, you know, we take into account as many um, options as we can to, to, you know, not that we're anticipating a problem, but we sit down prior and we go through, we have what we call a, a pre-con meeting, pre-conference meeting. We review all the BEOs, the banquet event orders, and, and talk about the details. We will, our team will go on site and work with, for example, Nick's um, salesperson or banquet manager to, to kind of review how the tables and, and the flow and the logistics of the event are going to take place. We review the timing of it. So there's all this planning that goes into effect before we even get there the night or day of. 
So when we all walk in, we're all on the same page. If that doesn't happen in any particular step of the way, all of a sudden we're looking at those headlights, that's a train and, and, and it's coming at you. But you guys are pros and you always pull it out and make it work. Well, always. <laughs> absolutely. We never have a problem doing it. <laughs> so uh, what, one of the last questions I'm curious about, just kind of bringing us back to this topic of food cost and food waste. Uh, I've heard you both mention phrase of healthy food cost before. Now that doesn't mean like healthy food is in its all vegetables and quinoa or whatever it might be. Uh, I think that means something else. So can you share both Nick from your perspective in the kitchen and Lou from your perspective now as the planner who used to run catering, what goes into ensuring a healthy food cost? And Nick, I'll turn to you first. Sure. Um, I think about a healthy food cost, I think about um, how we look at our menu overall and, and look at how each item is selling um, and how those items collectively are balanced on the menu um, with regards to their, their cost. Uh, and, you know, ultimately by, by selling everything evenly, um, you know, it will ultimately support your desired profit margin. So I think it's a combination for me, a healthy food cost is getting the right balance of things where everybody's enjoying the menu, your, your, your staff understands how to prep and prepare all the items, therefore providing you the right profit margin for your business to, uh, to run. Interesting. Hello? Yeah, from, from my perspective, it, it is, as Nick said, it is about a balance. I mean, we, we, when we sit down and talk about an event and plan the dinner or reception, whichever it may be, we, we talk about the items that they have readily available that are available given the time of year and, and where we are. Um, we try to always stay in the moment, meaning that we are planning the menu for that particular client for that particular date as opposed to a restaurant that's, that's planning their menus for you know, that night and, and moving forward. So it's a little bit different for us. But again, it's, it is in fact the balance. I mean, we would, we would make sure that what we're offering for the entree or for the, the main portion of the meal is, is balanced with what is being offered, for example, for hors d'oeuvres or for the reception. It, it's not, overloaded in one way, shape, or form, and, and it's balanced for the number of pieces that are gonna be offered to the guests as opposed to just throwing a bunch of food at them and hoping that you know they enjoy it all. So is waste gonna happen no matter what? Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. But here's the thing, with, with Nick and chefs like Nick, and, and planners, when we come together and we actually have the conversation, we can minimize that waste. There will always be waste because there will always be somebody that doesn't care for something. But we collectively can take the approach to kind of minimize that and have an alternative plan. And that's what we do. Our, our whole careers are really based on building our alternative plans and making it happen. The one thing I'll just say, there's always gonna be waste, but I think it is, Caterers, restaurant tours, opportunity. There's massive opportunities to um, to reduce that, and therefore increase your bottom line, increase your um, 
or guest satisfaction. Um, nobody likes to see uh, food in the trash. So if you're seeing it, um, you can you can learn from it and ultimately improve your business because of it. Makes sense. There's one other thing I kind of want to mention that's, that's hitting the forefront and a lot of uh, restaurants and hotels are starting to get on board with. It's, it's a little thing called, and it's not little, but it's called food rescue. And food rescue really takes into account those over-prepared meals or those over-prepared um, items that cannot be used again. And there are organizations that are coming up throughout the country that actually tailors and, and, and goes to restaurants, hotels, caterers, and rescues that unused, unneeded food and brings it to shelters. Um, there's a big push in our community and there's a big push in planners to do more for that. And again, I think it's, it's something that you will hear more and more about going forward straight across the country. And I think it's a wonderful thing. Food rescue. We'll do another episode on that, right? Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm hearing is everybody's got to work together. There's a lot yes. of people involved in events. It's all about creating balance, satisfying guests, or maybe doing more than satisfying guests, exceeding guest, guest uh, expectation. Um, fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation. I want to round it up with two questions that uh, we may try to ask on every episode, but since this is the first one, we'll find out. So this, this podcast is called Hold the Mustard. Uh, tell me about the most unique experience you both had when a guest asked you to quote unquote hold the mustard it might not have been mustard though sure um i would say um the, the most interesting request i've ever gotten was when a server came back and asked if i could cook a woman's scallops like hockey pucks <laughs> <laughs> and i had to ask her what that meant a couple times um she had to go back I had, I had to, I had to, you know, we had to go back and forth with, with the, with the guest and make sure we understood what hockey pucks meant, and uh, what she, what she ultimately wanted was scallops that were so well done that they, they had the texture of a hockey puck, and um, I, I thought that would be easy to accomplish, and I apparently got it wrong. Um, <laughs> so I, I sent them out. I thought we had hockey pucks, and she asked for them to be cooked just a little bit more. And, uh, it was a whole new uh, a game changer for me. Uh, coming at you on a specials menu sometime soon. Hockey puck scout. God bless you, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. Lou, what do you think? I, you know, I, I, I reach back in my catering days. Um, one of the things that I, I guess, in, in, in looking back, on, I'm not really surprised, but one of the things that put me back, we were at a pretty high-level tent event. Um, and it, it really was this high level for this corporation and things are moving along smoothly, everything's going out, and everything's timed perfectly, and the server comes back and says, this particular person would like us to make a special meal for their dog. It's like, <laughs> okay, um, that's great. And you know, the dog doesn't like anything that we have in the buffet, or <laughs> evidently not. So um, my chefs at the time got together and we, we kind of like put together a little thing for this dog. and. We go to bring it out. I want to bring it out because I obviously wanted to see who the who the guest was and who this dog was. And we prepare this dish, and I go walking out with it, 
And here is this fluffy little dog that couldn't weigh more than maybe five pounds. But the meal was about the same size. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's one of those things where you keep, it, it's an aha and you go, okay, really? All right, fine. <laughs> did he enjoy it? Huh? Did he enjoy it? He did, as a matter of fact. Did he yelp review? When I asked yeah, that, literally, <laughs> when I asked that question, I did not expect to hear about dogs or hockey pucks. So, there you go. You never know what you're going to hear. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being guests today. Uh, Lou, Thanks. if anybody wants to get in touch with you, either about Brandy Wine Events or visit Delco, how can they do that? Best thing to do would be. Um, just, you know, call or text me. I'm, I'm always available. My phone number is 484-571-9468. And then we can take it from there, whatever you need. Fantastic. And next thing for you. Yeah, uh, you can go to our website, www.salonofeastry.com. There's a contact us. Um, I think you can, you can let us know what you're thinking, and then we'll get back to you as, as soon as we get it. Fantastic. Well, thank you all out there for listening to this episode of Hold the Mustard, powered by Dineville. If you or anyone else you know is interested in hospitality or guest experiences and wants to find out about being a guest on our show, please reach out to me to learn more. My, my email is mark at dineville.com. Uh, again, this is Hold the Mustard, powered by Dineville. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hold the Mustard. We've got a ton of great episodes in store for you. If you or anyone you know is interested in being a guest or wants to learn more about Dynable, email me anytime at mark at dynable.com. That's M-A-R-K at Dynable, D-I-N-E-A-B-L-E.com. Dynable offers technology and services to help event planners optimize opportunities for guest personalization while empowering operators to stay efficient on food cost and waste. Learn more at dynable.com.